0: You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to our first live episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Uh, We're so honored to have uh, you all here with us, uh, our viewers. Uh we know more people are coming on, but we're also grateful to have uh just the uh just a great uh individual, uh Dwayne McFarland. He is uh the has a podcast called uh the fantasy football hustle. He also works uh collaboratively with uh Pro Football Folk Focus for Fantasy Football. And we thought it's great, especially leading into uh football season starting uh September 13th that weekend. Um have uh help our our listeners make sure they get a good squad on the board and make sure they are able to put their 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 best minds forward for drafting uh and i'm just giving a brief opportunity for everyone to introduce themselves you may have heard us on the podcast now you get a chance to see us as you can see my name is evan then we hey, what's have
0: up? what's up this is phil how you doing Our and,
2: star. Um, <laughs> and i am dion kelly i got my whole government out here i should have <laughs> <laughs> I with that, but I'm the lady of the show.
1: And then we have uh, Dwayne McFarlane. I'm going him to introduce himself, tell a little bit about himself.
3: Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um Anytime I get a chance just to talk football or especially, you know, with, you know, an Eagles fan, since I'm a Cowboys fan, you know, I mean, you, you guys are like all anti-Cowboys. So that's always fun. Um, but at least, you know, you're not, you know, Bill's fans because they're the most rabid, even though they never play the Cowboys. I know we talked about that a little bit before, but yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm just a dude that likes to play fantasy football, you know, kind of, you know, work my way up, you know, just learning how to play by, by playing, by losing, by winning, figuring out what works. Um, you know, and just over the last few years, I've just had the opportunity, you know, to get to work with. You know, great, great places like Pro Football Focus, um, Establish the Run, Football Guys. So I just a little bit about me. Um, so I've come from the data and analytics space. Um, I work in I work in the healthcare industry and I took an 18 month sabbatical um, because I wanted to do that before my son left for college. It's something my wife and I had always talked about. So I left my company, you know, for 18 months. And thankfully, they took me back and it was right before uh, COVID-19 hit. So I like just squeaked in before like hiring freezes hit. But, um, you know, when I took that time off, it gave me time just to chase, you know, dreams and hobbies and things like that, as as well as spend time with my family. And so that's really the time period when it exploded before I had really just done the research for myself and used it to play to play fantasy football and to play in high stakes leagues, which, you know, I had used the information to get good at after, again, after learning and getting you know beat by really good players, you, you learn a lot by losing. Um, so, so I was telling my kids like, Hey, failure is not always bad. There's data points in failure. You know, you just got to take them and figure out what they are. But this la- that last year and a half really is what gave me a chance to write and, and do things like that and and really find, you know, time to put together a podcast because, you know, you guys know, it's not as easy as what some people you know think you know it it comes off as really simple but you got to figure out what you're covering you know what's the topic some shows are easier than others but and it's a commitment you know you want to you want to make sure that you're doing it right and that you're consistent with it you know for your audience so i felt that it was a good time and i got really lucky and i landed with you know a a great partner who by the way is also an eagles fan but brian drake so um he just reached out to me because he saw some stuff i did on twitter and he's like hey man you want to hop on a podcast with me this week so i did one and then he was like, hey, do you want to just do this every week? And I was like, yeah, sounds good. And he's a former radio guy. Um, so that's what he went to school for. So, I mean, like, he's like, I think he's one of the best in the business, like, as far as, you know, being able to keep your show on track, be able to engage guests, you know, tee up the right questions. I mean, he's, I mean, he's amazing. Like, he's really witty. So I feel super fortunate. Like, we're a perfect match. You know, he, he his strengths and my strengths, like, they just, like, they, they click. And so we've been really fortunate. And so that's been great. Um, That's really growing. So if you guys haven't checked that out yet, it's, you know, the fantasy football hustle. You can find it on YouTube. Um, You can also find it up pretty much anywhere that streams. Um, You know, we've put out actually several episodes here recently around drafting. Um, so if you're if you're interested in learning more about draft strategy that kind of stuff, you guys can check that out. And then you can also find me at Twitter. My handle's up here, uh, but it's at Dwayne McFarland, D W A I N M C F A R L A N D, and of course at Pro Football Focus.
1: Wow, thank you so much. Um, so we invite all of our listeners. One, uh, uh, Dwayne has offered to give uh, the first five people to put their email in the uh chat box he offered to give um he offered to give his tiered rankings for, for P, um for ppr league so if you want to uh get his inside information this is like getting like adam Schefter info This is getting insider info for fans football we invite you to put your email in the chat box and the first five emails we get we're going to email you after the show his tiered rankings Uh, to make sure that you get in on it but also right before we start this interview we invite you to share if you're watching share the youtube link share the facebook link on your page so that other people can come check it out and listen Uh, and so um we have our first person who put their email in the chat box more hops the better ipa i may need to talk to them personally so i can learn to get more hops in my game but 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 Great, great to have you. And we also invite you to have questions, put them in the chat box and we'll make sure to uh, try to get them up here for Dwayne to answer. And so Dwayne, this is actually an interesting year uh, because in fantasy football, typically uh, most, most people, at least, at least I may be amateur here, but I know most people, they try to uh, get inside information and they watch preseason games and they get to see who's doing well, who's uh getting a lot of passes from the quarterback, you know, stuff like that. And so this year we don't have the opportunity to look at preseason to before we draft. So what recommendations would you give to someone who's drafting kind of blind in light of the lack of a preseason?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, this year um, it's, it's probably more important than ever to have like a good source because it's literally you have to chase down like all of the beat reports and all of this information. And because what you're trying to do is one, you don't want to double count things because you know how it goes. One story will will literally show up like in eight, you know, areas, you know, you'll have eight different stories all based off of one quote. So you don't want to be double counting. Um, you want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're listening to a beat reporter because, I mean, there's so many people out there and this is nothing against beat reporters. I love the beat reporters, but, you know, there's varying degrees of skill of being a beat reporter, right? And there's varying degrees of what they're asked to do by their, you know, by whoever they work for, right? Is it just to churn out content and you know, create headlines that make people want to click on it or is it to truly be, you know, are they meant to be a source that's, you know, truly football focused and, you know, they want to be sharing from that perspective. So you kind of got to weed through all of those things. And so that's something I learned just from following other great people on Twitter, like you know, Sigmund Bloom um, from Football Guys, Evan Silva from Establish the Run, Adam Levitan. Those guys are all really good because they know who the best sources are. And so I kind of honestly I curate my lists based on who their lists are. Cause on Twitter I can go in and click and see their lists if it's you know public. And I mean, I'll just use their list. And so, you know, I basically use those things to keep up every every day. I go in and look at all the news. And then I kind of, you know, assimilate all that information together and synthesize it and determine what's important, what's probably noise or what may be kind of interesting. But question mark, do we hear more like tomorrow or the next day You know, around this before? Because you, you don't want to be changing your rankings all over the place, you know, like every night unless it's really substantial news. Um, so my, my best advice would be unless you have a lot of time, you know, you want to make sure that you're following those sorts of people, you know, on Twitter or on Instagram, you know, whatever your social media channel is. They're on most of those and, and there are other ones. There's other great ones that I'm forgetting to mention. Um, a, a really good one is 32 um, beat writers on Twitter. Like, I mean, they literally retweet basically every story so you don't have to go follow every beat writer. And then you can just, you know, you can just kind of scan and be like, Oh, I care about this one. Or I Or I don't care about this other one. And they'll put like a quick snippet about what's going on at the top. So you don't have to read like the whole article, like they'll tell you and then you can decide you want to click and read more. So you got to have a way to be able to, get the information, because to your point, the preseason games really gave us validation, you know, before, um, because we could say, here's what we've been see- hearing, and then now here's what we've actually seen. But I will say, you know, preseason varies for different coaches. Some coaches will show you something in preseason, other coaches show you nothing, right? You're not going to really see scheme or anything, but you might see, oh, this receiver is going to get to be on the field when there's three wide receivers out there. Right. This guy is not going to be out there when they go to two wide receiver sets. Well, that immediately tells you they're going to not be on the field for 20 to 30 percent of plays. You know, that's something that you got to consider. If you've got guys that are close together in a ranking, you know, I want the guys that are going to be on the field, you know, more. So little things like that, you know, that you typically get to look for in preseason. Um, we don't have. So it does make it a little bit tougher. So I would just say the best thing is just to have a good source that you can go to that pulls all that information together for you and you can kind of, you know, work your way through it. Cool,
0: cool. So, Dwayne, my question is, we have a couple of novices watching right now. Sure. All right. I know I w- I've i been told don't draft a quarterback in the first round. All right. I've been told that. <laughs> because that makes sense. So what are sense. some of the
2: students... <laughs>
0: What are some of the do's and don'ts for beginner fantasy players, fantasy football? Players? Yeah,
3: so like the whole thing with you know not drafting the quarterback. Really, you know, I don't know if any of you are business majors or anything, but it's pretty simple. It comes back to supply and demand. So, if you're playing in a ten-person, you know, or a, or an eight-person, or even a twelve-person league, and you can only start one quarterback, well, you can ha- pre- you can pretty quickly do the math, and you can say, well. I'm going to get one, you know? And so it's a matter of how different do I think the top one is versus, you know, maybe my 12th ranked one if I'm in a 12 person league. And what I'll do is I'll subtract that. So, for example, this year, Lamar Jackson, I have projected for 370 fantasy points. I've got Cam Newton projected for 300. Cam Newton's my last player that I consider to be someone I would want to start and be willing to start every week. So he's 75 points better than Cam Newton. Well, then I look over at another position and I say, well, Christian McCaffrey, I have set to score 350 points. And when I drop down, now you start two or three running backs in a league. So now all of a sudden I got to go 36 people down to get who I'm going to subtract. Well, now I'm subtracting 150 from 350. So getting a plus 200 is better than getting a plus 75. Like that's the simple way to look at it. Like you know, football guys came up with that like a long time ago. Um, they call it value-based drafting, but it's, it is, it's still true today. It's, and I don't, that's not like my always go-to. I mean, there's ways I think about this that are built a little bit different, but that's a simple way to think about it. So um, for me, what happens is Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes go in the first two rounds. Is you know, from a supply and demand standpoint, and from, you know, just, you know, the rarity of what's going to be there later at those other positions, it just makes more sense to build your team around your running backs and your receivers. And it doesn't mean you have to wait all the way till Cam Newton. I mean, you could look at me and say, Dwayne, I think Cam Newton's receivers are terrible. And I don't know if he's going to be any good. And guess what? You would be right. His receivers probably are going to be terrible. Um, but I think he's going to run for quite a bit. To me, I look at him, he's like, you know, an arbitrage play on Josh Allen. He's like, Josh Allen, you have to spend, you know, like a eighth round pick on I can get Cam Newton in the 13th round and they're probably going to be the same guy even though I like Josh Allen's you know weapons better you know I like Cam Newton's coaching better right so that's the kind of things you know that I'm that I think through um, and every year's a little different to be honest you know there there could come a year where it's like you know what you really should take a quarterback in the first three rounds I don't see this as being one of them
0: I wasn't wrong for taking Drew Brees um, last year.
3: <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, and that's a great example of another player you can wait for. Like I, you know, Drew Brees, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, all of those guys, you know, go really, you know, well behind. You know, your Lamar Jackson, your Patrick Mahomes. The other guy I would tell your listeners to, and he slides, and I know you guys are going to think I'm just being a homer, but I'm not. I I really like put myself through the ring, First especially guy. if I ever grade a cowboy high, I really go back and like put my, usually I'm honestly, I've been more guilty of grading Cowboys players too low because I think I'm over. I overly try to make sure that I'm not being biased. Right. So like, I'm so wrong though, by Kelvin, Kelvin said, so, um, so Dak Prescott, for example, um, I have him rejected mm-hmm. to score nearly as many points as Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So like, If you take a guy like Prescott, you can get him in the sixth or seventh round. So now, like, if you want the simplest way I think about quarterbacks this year, and it depends on your league, if you start two quarterbacks, that changes everything. Most leagues only start one, right? It also depends, is it six points for a touchdown pass or is it four, right? So you got to know all those things. But typically speaking, in in the way most leagues score, my rule this year is if Dak makes it to the seventh, I'll take him. If I don't get Dak and Josh Allen makes it to the 10th, I'll take him, which I don't like Josh Allen as an NFL quarterback, um, but I like him as a fantasy quarterback because he scores a lot of rushing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And again, it's all about price because you always have to think about if I take Dak here, what am I trading off? There's an opportunity cost to everything. Who do I have to pass on to take a quarterback? That's the problem for Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. The the opportunity cost is too much to, to take them onto your roster and consistently be really good. And it's not to say you can't do it and end up being good. You could, right? Um, but the, I think the better way is to not do that. So my my next quarterback is Tom Brady. If you don't get Josh Allen in, in the 10th, I mean, Tom Brady in the 12th, you know, 11th round, you know, and in some home leagues, you got to know, you know, your, who you're around too. These guys will go all over the place. So a lot of these, you know, numbers I'm kind of quoting are like leagues that I'm in where, you know, they're like 350 bucks, typically a piece. And so most everybody in there is like, you know, they're pretty sharp. So they'll wait on quarterback. So that pushes them a little further. You might be in a league where everybody doesn't think that way. So you want to be ready to adapt. But so it may not just be by round. It could be, well, I know I'm willing to take Dak once I see X go off the board, right? Or it could be, I know I need to take Tom Brady when I know these guys are off the board. That way you can adjust it like based on the way your league works. But for me, typically it's Brady. And then if I miss him, I want Matt Stafford or Drew Brees, and then if I completely miss those, I'll just keep waiting and I'll draft Cam Newton. Sometimes I don't draft him until the 15th round. So
2: just to follow up, and and he, you had me at um, Dak doing anything on um, Lamar's level. I, I was like, what? but you know i get it in um, fantasy terms
3: it's fantasy points you're right it's not it's not mm-hmm. like his value to his team is not near what lamar's is in terms mm-hmm. of you know the nfl no doubt it's just he's surrounded with great weapons and he's mm-hmm. got two offensive coordinators that basically want to they want to jam their foot on the gas and they want to let them run three wide receivers all the time So Now you add C.D. Lamb to go with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. I mean, you got Zeke, you got a a good offensive line. It's not what it was. It's just a really premium situation for a lot of fantasy points.
2: Right, right. So um, you mentioned Mahomes. Where would you draft him? Like where exactly would you put him um, in the draft?
3: Yeah, so I have Lamar, number one. I have Patrick Mahomes, number two. But I have him right there I have them and I so another concept you'll hear me talk about is tears Mm
2: -hmm.
3: nobody can be like as you know like sometimes you know people are so into their projections and I'm like you know I think like I'm like you gotta have some hubris like we're gonna have error in this so I group players basically I'm like look Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes they're gonna be somewhere around each other they're both elite you can pick which one you want to take I I'm okay with that. You know, if you if you think Lamar is firmly the one, that's okay. You could make an argument that it's Mahomes. But with either one of those guys, Deion, really the way I look at them is I don't ever get them because they usually go in the second or third round of a draft. And the problem this year is if you do that at quarterback, the running backs drop off so fast, um, you would leave a major hole on your roster. Now, where I'll say, again, you have to know your scoring for your league. But the other thing I'll say is if you're in a smaller league, like say you're in a league with eight people Mm -hmm. and let's say in that league, you only start one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, and that's it. That's a really shallow league where you're probably going to fill every position with a really good player that you like, because there's only eight people in it and there's not very many people you have to start. That means you're going to have really good players sitting on your bench every week. And those leagues, I will, That's the kind where I'll like say, Hey, I get to take Pat Mahomes in this league. I get to take Lamar Jackson in this league because I know I can still get everything else I need Mm -hmm. because the pool has been, you know, the number of players that are going to be taken from the pool is going to be shrunk. Mm -hmm. So I know that I could still do something like that. But if I'm in a 12 person league and it's one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, and two flex, which for anybody that doesn't know what a flex player is, It's basically an extra player at any one of those positions we just talked about. You can start an extra tight end. You can start an extra running back. You can start an extra receiver and that kind of format. Now it's like, wow, I've got to have outside of my quarterback, right? I've got to have six different, you know, starters. Well, seven different starters, right? If I look at my running backs, wide receivers and my flex positions now multiply that if you're in a 12 team league, that's 84 players immediately gone from the pool that I've, I've got to have starters, right? So um, if I'm in a league like 12 man, Mm
2: -hmm. usually
3: the only time I would be willing is if he drops to the late third. And even then I've let him go by. He doesn't, he very, very, very rarely makes it there, but I wouldn't argue with anybody that took Patrick Mahomes at the end of the third round. Mm -hmm. I think what you have to kind of do, Dion, is you got to look at it. And like I said, there are these things like tiers. So let's say I'll give you an example Knowing supply and demand, Mm -hmm. right, that I've told you guys running backs are going to be gone, here's the running backs I would get to where I would probably consider I'll fade those dudes to take Patrick Mahomes. Once I get down to, like, Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, you know, guys that have some age, they have, you know, a few, they have some red flags, you know, they may have competition in their backfield, or, like, Le'Veon Bell, he's on a terrible team. That's the spot where I would be like, you know what? Patrick Mahomes fell to me here. I'm not taking any of these guys over Pat Mahomes. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to look at it that way. Does that make sense?
2: It, it does. It does. So it's kind of like a cost benefit analysis.
3: Exactly. That's exactly okay. what it is. You're looking at your trade-offs all the time. Okay. And that's how you formulate your draft strategy, really, is you're just thinking multiple steps ahead in your draft. And you're just thinking, if I do this and this happens, then what? Okay, well, what if I did it this way and this happens? And so basically, the way you outplay other fantasy owners, like you could not do an ounce of projections. You could know none of this and you could just take my spreadsheet. If you just thought through that and thought through the multiple things that could happen in your draft, three or four scenarios, and you know what you're going to do with each one. Mm -hmm. And then as your draft goes, you're still planning ahead. That's how you typically beat most of your league mates. So Mm -hmm. that's what high stakes players do that I, that I learned, you know, by watching how they did it they may pass a player that they like more than this other one, but they knew they were calculating in their head based on these other three people that pick after me. I think I can let this other player go. And because they've already filled that position, it's going to come back to me and I get both players. So you're kind of playing the game within the game. And it's like, I don't know if you guys ever watch people play poker. Like I I love poker. It's that kind of thing, you know, just get anybody can get pocket Kings you know, anybody can get pocket aces every so many times, but it's how do you win consistently when you're just getting dealt bad hands, you know, and the way you do that is you learn how the other people around you play, you plan a court, you learn who's tight, you learn who's loose, you learn all those things. And then that information is what Mm -hmm. shows you when to bet, no matter what two cards you may have. And you know that your probabilities, you know, are X. So it's a similar kind of thing really with, you know, fantasy football, it's, it's the game theory. And honestly, that's the funnest part, like sitting down and thinking about all the ways your draft could go, like doing these projections is fun. I like it. Cause I like data, but that's not for everybody. You know, it's kind of, that can be a grind it sometimes, mm-hmm. but, but if you like game theory and if you like trying to figure out how to be, you know, how to smart outsmart somebody else, or how mm-hmm. to come up with a better roster than they do. I mean, that's, I love doing that. I mean, I sit down and I'll plot out all these different ways multiple times. And the other thing is then you're comfortable in your draft. When it happens, you're like, Oh, I already planned for this. I thought it was going to be here's gone, but I already planned that in this scenario, I'm just going to shift gears and I'm going to do this.
1: Nice. Nice. So Kelvin asks, is Zach Ertz worth a third round pick?
3: Yeah. Again, it's going to come back to your scoring format. Um, If you're looking for a, steady tight end and that's really like what you believe you need based on your format then I think Ertz is your guy because with Rager getting hurt I mean Ertz is always the top target on the team you know for the last several years anyway um, but now with Rager out you know for at least a month Alshon Jeffrey you know is not going to be ready for the start of the season um, so it's pretty much going to be Ertz it's going to be Goddard you know and you'll have and what they need is Deshaun Jackson to stay healthy outside because he stretches the field and he makes he opens everything else up for those guys underneath, right? He opens up everything for Miles Sanders underneath. And so as long as Djax is healthy, I think you know Ertz is a fine target. Personally, this year, um, I'm going to Mark Andrews over Ertz because I think he carries, you know, a higher touchdown ceiling. Hmm. So here's like where the nerdy stuff comes in. So Last year, Mark Andrews was only on the field for 61% of the times that Lamar Jackson dropped back to pass. Well, remember, they had three tight ends that they rotated. Well, Hayden Hurst has now been traded to the Falcons. So Mark Andrews was a top five you know, tight end last year, and now he's probably going to be on the field 20 to 25% more when Lamar Jackson's dropping back to pass. And guess who Lamar Jackson's favorite person on the field is? Mark Andrews, because that's the place where Lamar is the most accurate, is down the hashes, and it's all set up by their play action, by the RPOs, all that stuff that freezes those linebackers for a half second and and pulls a safety one way or another. That's what creates those seams, you know, for Andrews and Marquise, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown will also be getting into those this year, I expect a huge year from um, Hollywood Brown, even though their offense isn't going to throw the ball a ton. I think the efficiency will be great. So I, I like Ertz. And if, if, so I, I mentioned tears earlier, I have them in a tier together, but I just slightly lean to Andrews because if I'm, I'm always trying to go like for the, the gusto, like I want to build the team that like everybody is just like, man, I don't even want to play anymore because your team's so good. Like, that's like, <laughs> that's your goal, right? Cause it's all it your buddies. Is. And so you just want to be able to be – you just want to be able to trash talk. So Andrews is going to give you the most trash talk upside. Okay. So,
1: you know, uh, obviously this offseason you had the major move of Tom Brady uh, going to the Tampa Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. So my partial fear is Tom Brady doesn't seem to play well in Florida, but not, not including that fear, um, it looks like they're going kind to of have a high-octane offense. Who do you suspect is going to be the the crown jewel of that offense that you want to pick up in your fantasy draft?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think it's all going to be good, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and I think, you know, you're right. You bring up a legit, you know, concern. Um, you know, Brady has struggled, like, with humidity. Um, he's he struggled with the ball being wet. So I know that's something they've been working on a ton, um, and that's why they're, you know, practicing a lot in the heat. Um, you know, and here's what I think about Brady. Have you guys watched um, the Michael Jordan um, documentary, um, The Last Dance? Yes. Like that's what I imagine Brady being like. Don't you like with his team? I imagine him being like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy you in practice to make sure that when the game gets here, it's kind of like what we just talked about, preparing for your draft kind of thing. I just feel he's gonna like bring everything up because mm-hmm. while Jameis did some good things, I don't think he had. And not many people do. It's nothing against Jameis, but there's only so many Michael Jordans and Tom Brady's like on the planet, like ever, Mm -hmm. like they don't, they're not just good athletes. They have this mentality and they've got this gene, whatever it is, or it's a, who knows nature versus nurture. It's a combination. Something happened in their life that like turned them into this, you know, complete, you know, monster, right. That's just, you know, amazing. So, with Brady, I think he's going to he's going to bring everybody up. So typically, Chris Godwin's going to go in the late second round of drafts, you know, depending again on how many that's assuming 12, 12, 12 teams in your league. If it's 10 teams, he'll probably go in the third eight teams. He's going to go in the third round. I do think he's the first receiver to be taken, um, and I think he'll be fine. Um, one caveat with him, like, is they're gonna run two tight ends a lot more this year. It's gonna be OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski. So it'll be interesting to see how much he gets moved inside of the slot. Arians has said he's still gonna get all those looks inside. They can do it different ways, even with two tight ends on the field. But Godwin, you know, he he benefited last year from like some of the best matchups in the NFL. He had more yardage with linebackers and safeties and coverage based on the scheme than anybody else in the entire league. And it was actually about 40% of his yards, which was by far more than any other receiver in the league. The next closest was Tyler Lockett. Um, So I do worry a little bit about that, but not enough to make me not want to take him, right? It just makes me worry about him enough that I'm like, because some people are taking him over Hopkins and I'm like, eh, I'm not going to take him over D hop. But Mm -hmm. after that he's fair game. And the other thing I'll say is man, Evans shouldn't be that far behind what I'm seeing in some drafts. I don't know if you guys have done any, but I'll see Godwin go, in the late second, early third, and Mike Evans will make it all the way into the fourth round. And I'm like just sitting there going, please make it to me. Please make it to me. Please make it to me. Like you're just watching it. You're like hoping it's going to make it. A lot of people are, here's the narrative I've heard, um, is that, well, Tom Brady can't throw the deep ball anymore. And his deep ball accuracy, you know, had been, you know, from a completion percentage standpoint, had been down over the last two years. But this is where you have to like really dig in. So think about it. Who has Tom Brady had to throw down the field to in the last two years? Anybody? Yeah, exactly. So when I look at that, I am I went – and this is a cool thing about working with Pro Football Focus is you can go into the data that's below, like, results. Like, you go into more, okay, what drives results? And so they actually chart every single throw, and they will say, was the throw itself accurate, not just did the receiver catch it? So last year, you guys get the guess – Last year, how do you think Tom Brady, you take his receiver out of the equation, just his accuracy, how do you think he graded versus the rest of the NFL on throws over 20 yards?
0: Bottom t- bottom
3: twenty. No, nope. another I don't guess? think he's that accurate. Another another guess?
1: Uh, I would say middle tier.
3: Yeah. Mid- yeah. Mid- so 20- he was he was plus twenty percent versus the NFL average. He was actually in the top. Yeah. See, that's why you got to dig into this stuff. It it looks like Tom Brady's not accurate, but if you have a receiver that can't get open, you got a receiver that runs the wrong route. Well, your deep completion percentage is going to be down. So Hmm. what I like about this data is they don't, they don't, you know, take points away from Tom Brady they take points away from the receiver in that example. All they want to know is did was Brady's pass accurate or was it not now, whether the receiver caught it or whether it, you know, hit off his helmet or, you know, or he turned the wrong way, whatever the case may be, or they couldn't get enough separation, right. From the defenders. So Tom Brady's receiving core got less separation pretty much than any other receiving core in the entire NFL. Hmm. So, that's where I think Mike Evans is actually going to be a lot better than people think because people think that Brady's completely washed. And the other thing I do go back to is like, it's that whole Tom Brady. Do we really think Tom Brady's going to do anything, but come out and just want to show Bill Bill Belichick, dude, like you so screwed up. Like you're awesome. I love you. But I think he's just on a mission. And then you throw Gronk in. And you throw O.J. Howard, who was a first, you know, first round pick not very long ago out of out of Alabama, who's also very talented. Um, man, I just I think their only question really is who's who's going to who's going to be it in their running game. You know, Ronald Jones is the front runner. But, you know, Ronald Jones has kind of had, you know, a checkered, you know, start to his career. It's not like he's been really consistent. But I think Brady is going to eat. I think he has top five upside with his weapons. Hmm.
1: Okay. So this for more hops, the better IPA uh, he's in a half point PPR 10 man league. He wants to know, he has the ninth pick. He wants to know out of Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Chubb, Eckler, Julio, or Aaron Jones, Tyreek, Tyreek, or Tyreek Hill, which two would you target?
3: Yeah, this is a really good question because over the, I, I can't remember, honestly, ever a season with cert with so much turmoil, right when the season's about to start. So, Kenyon Drake was in a walking boot. Miles Sanders has a lower body injury, which we've now found out was a hamstring strain. Miles Sanders offensive line keeps losing. You know, Lyman you know, first it started off with their pro with their Pro Bowl guard, but now just in the last week, you know, you've lost your left tackled. Um, Diller, then you lose, and now you got uh, you know, Peter saying, Hey, if you're gonna play me at tackle, you need to pay me more. So there's a lot going on. Now you got Alvin Kamara maybe gonna get traded because he's holding out and the saints have literally no money to pay him. They're, they're going to be $75 million over the cap next year already. So they don't have any money. Um, so they're going to have to get creative if they want to keep him. So it's, it's creating this scenario where at the end of the round, um, like especially miles Sanders is getting pushed down. So when it gets down there to me, based on the recent news that I've heard um, I take Sanders and a half point PPR in that format you just talked about, I'm going to take Sanders with my first pick. And then I'm coming back in the second round and it's really your call at that point. You kind of got to know your league mates, but in a home league, I'm typically going to take the best receiver there. And I, I will let you choose. I talked about tiers earlier. I have Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, and I have, um, who was the other one you said? Well, actually, I, if you had Devonte Adams in there, I had him in my first tier with just Michael Thomas. So my two picks would be Sanders and Adams if Adams is there, but if not, Julio Jones and Tyreek Hill. I mean, you can pick which one you want. Julio Jones is going to have more receptions, but Tyreek Hill is the guy that, you know, we all know if he ever got a big workload, like he could completely blow the top off of like everything.
0: Hmm. Wow. Cool. So it, my question is this, based upon the line, based upon the quarterback, based upon the workload. So conversation I have with my friends, um basically saying that about fantasy is you have to find out who the um, team wants to earn their money. In other words, that sleeper, who is that sleeper? Which team wants that player to earn that money this year? (laughs) And we could benefit from that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It does sometimes happen. Um, You know, you will see players that will get motivated um, in contract years it's not, you know, the data is not super consistent on it, you know, so it's not like something where we can say every time and it's because we're dealing with humans, right? Different people are motivated different ways. Like, you know, Dion, you may be motivated to, you know, to bust your butt every single day at work and you're a rock star every day. And then, you know, Phil, I don't know you, but Phil, you may be one of those types that like, man, I'm not getting my, I'm not getting my cut. I'm going to slack off today because, you know, I don't think my company pays me enough. And then Evan might be both of y'all supervisor and he might be thinking, you know what? And Dion's awesome. But, you know, Phil, you need to show us something. And so it all comes back to Phil, when you get that feedback from your coach, how do you take that? How do you deal with that? You know, also, are you monetarily motivated some people are more motivated by being accepted. Some people are more motivated by notoriety. Some people are more motivated just because it's self-pride that they want to show that they're the best. Everybody's different. Some people truly are monetary. So it, I think that's why the data is inconsistent and we can't just say it works all the time. But I definitely do look, right? I pay attention to who's in a contract year, especially if it's a, you know, a player that we know has been you know, kind of up and down so you know they have the ability to perform but for whatever reason like they can let their foot off the gas and maybe they don't who knows maybe they just you know don't do everything they to do in practice or preparation because it takes commitment but then all of a sudden now the money's on the line and you could get the commitment so a great example of that right here recently has been devonte parker you know he was a career under underachiever Now, some people will argue that it was just Adam Gase and because, you know, he's like seems like he's like a curse, like to any fantasy asset pretty much. I mean, look at how Le'Veon Bell is not real happy with him now. But, you know, if you look at Parker, he really did. He showed some flashes when he was young and then he dealt with some injuries. And then, you know, over these last two years when there was some money on the line, like, you know, especially last year, like he balled out is great you know i mean he made he's what he's the only receiver in the league that made stefan gilmore look bad last year stefan gilmore shut down every single receiver and um parker came out and just went off on gilmore so like and he took the shadow coverage pretty much every week once he started showing that the t- other team was putting the best corner on him and it didn't matter they couldn't stop him so there is something to it it's just hard it's hard to decipher like which one is it going to work for and which one will it not i use it like as. I use that kind of stuff, Phil, like more like is tiebreakers. So if it comes down, I got two people in my tier and I'm like, man, Devontae's trying to get paid. This guy just got his payday. I might say, okay, fine. I'm going to go with Parker. If that makes sense.
1: Okay. So we have a question from Eric Bennett. What are your thoughts on Hunter Renfro from the Raiders? Is he worth a roster spot?
3: Yeah. and, And like I say, it does depend on format. So today there's news that they did move Tyrell Williams to injured reserve. Who's got a torn labrum. You know, there was talk of him trying to play through it. Um, I think the biggest beneficiary right away um, is going to be, you know, Brian Edwards, um, you know, a rookie receiver that fell in draft to the third round. I think he provides more upside um, for me than Hunter Renfro and he goes pretty late. Um, But I think this, moves everybody up, right? I think this, you know, this is going to mean rugs is going to be on the field pretty much all the time. Hmm. And I think now, pretty much anytime they're in three wide receivers, it is going to be Hunter Renfro on the field. So here's the thing with Hunter Renfro. I think he's a very good player. Um he creates a lot of great separation. He grades out really well by a lot of things, you know, if you if you dig into the you know the data beneath his play. Here's the issue. John Gruden likes to run you know, these heavy personnel sets a lot, like, so he'll come out and use three wide receivers. And then all of a sudden he'll sub in two tight ends or he'll sub in a full back. Right. And, you know, and take a receiver off of the field. He'll run two tight ends and a fullback. He likes these jumbo kind of packages. He runs them more than most NFL coaches. And he also doesn't run a very high pace. So he doesn't run as many plays as a lot of other offensive coordinator coordinators do and so that's what hurts hunter renfro it's not his talent i think hunter renfro is going to be out there plenty like when the raiders are trailing um when they think the best matchup for the week is to not try to pound the ball against the other team and they decide you know in the game plan they're going to pretty much run 70 percent of their plays that week from three wide that's when hunter renfro will be on the field all the time and i think when he's on the field you're going to see Derek carr look for him quite often the problem is going to be in those games where if the raiders are in a tight game or the Raiders manage to be leading because they really do want to run Josh Jacobs um, that could equal 50% of the snaps for any game that Hunter Renfro doesn't even get to be on the field. And then, so that makes him, that makes his performance spike and Valley spike and Valley spike and Valley. So what I would say on Renfro is if you're in a super deep league, I like, he's a guy I'm willing to draft and I stash late. Um, But if I'm in a shallow league, like where it's, you know, 12 to 14 round draft, you know, maybe 10 people in it, I think he's a guy you just leave on the waiver wire. I'd rather take a shot on Brian Edwards, who's going to be on the field all the time, and he's a perfect match for the play-action game that they that they want to build off of those 12 looks. When I say 12, that's two tight ends. 21 means a fullback and a running back. So those heavy sets, what a lot of teams like Rudin like to do is they run play-action off of that. Hey, we look like we're going to run, but really we're going to pass. And so that's going to be big for Ruggs. It's also going to be big for Edwards. Um, Ruggs is a guy that, I mean, I'll draft. And even in a 12-man league, I mean, I'm drafting him in the ninth or 10th round. I, they're moving him all over the formation, and they're not just asking him to run deep. They're actually running him in the areas that Derek Carr is really good. Because Carr doesn't really like to push the ball deep. He's never really done that that often. So I'm just imagining rugs in space and a scheme being used you know, the right way, and that's what gets me excited.
2: And so let me ask you this. I guess this is more of a twofold question. Um, who are your top three fantasy sleepers at the wide receiver position um, in a standard league versus the PPR league? And my second question is where would you put Michael Thomas in your draft?
3: Since we're on the top. Yeah, let's of the start with receivers. the Michael Thomas thing. So like for me, um, and again, depends on depends on you know the format. But, you know, if you're talking like standard versus PPR, Michael Thomas in a PPR league like right now where I put him in play after McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Derek Henry and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are gone. That's where I would draft Thomas. I like Thomas better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a player. But again, we're back to the supply and demand thing and receiver is deeper than running back Mm -hmm. this year so in the third and fourth rounds i can still draft receivers i really really like so think in the third and fourth rounds, you can still get mike evans odell beckham jr aj brown juju smith schuster robert woods amari cooper calvin ridley dj chark who's gonna go nuts terry mclaurin you know dk metcalf all these guys you can still get but then when you look in the third and fourth round at running back you're looking at james white Tariq cohen Raquel armstead you know dave montgomery Latavius Murray, who could be really good now, with you know I've moved him up in my rankings to this spot based on the Kamara news, but you see what I mean? There's there's a trade-off. The opportunity mm-hmm. cost that we talked about earlier is at a deficit. So I'm willing to take a few less points with my first pick to make sure that I get the running back that I want. Mm-hmm. Now, once it gets past Clyde Edwards-Helaire, um, I would personally still take Dalvin Cook. Over Michael Thomas, but if you're worried Cook's going to hold out, or if you're worried about his shoulder shoulder injuries, that's like the spot where I'm like, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna argue with you if you want to take Mike Thomas. The dude's a beast, so you can totally do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after you know, once it's past you know those players, then I think he's really he's fine. He's in play once he gets the seventh or eighth pick and drafts. Like I'm always taking him if he if he makes if he makes it to me. Now as far as like the the guys that I like. As far as sleepers, I'll give you guys a few names. Um, so when I say sleepers, these are these are players that you're going to be draft. You're going to be able to draft after round 11. Okay. And I have specific criteria. This isn't just based on my projections of what they think they're going to do. I'm thinking, what is their upside? What could their upside be? And so, out of these players, I pretty much draft two out of four every you know single draft. So Paris Campbell for the Indianapolis Colts, and I don't care if it's standard or PPR. Obviously, PPR gives him a little bit more, but they're still going to be sleepers relative. Um, and here's why. So Campbell, like what a lot of people don't realize is he's probably going to be on the field all the time. You know, the beat reporters are talking about whenever they only have two right, wide receivers on the field and they're using two tight ends. It's Campbell and it's Hilton. So he's going to be on the field all the time. And he's just a player that was ascending, right? When he came into the draft, you know, he's a player that, you know, brings elite athleticism and guess where his routes are going to be. His routes are going to be the underneath stuff. Well, where where does Phillip Rivers love to pepper guys like Keenan Allen, guys like that underneath, right? Mm -hmm. That's why he throws so much to the running backs as well. So Paris Campbell, I think is in a situation where, He's going to get the usage that he needs. Phillip Rivers is going to look for him a lot. And he has the athleticism and the playmaker ability to completely blow the top off of all of it, right? So mm-hmm. he's a guy that you could be sitting there with him and be like, wow, like I can't even start whoever, A.J. Green, because I got to start Paris Campbell every week. Or what you really hope is you're in a league where you get to start more people and all of a sudden you're plugging Paris Campbell in as your third receiver and you're like just sitting there laughing, right? So another one that's very similar and this is, and I'm not an Ohio State homer, but it's Curtis Samuel. Um, you know with the new you know with with Joe Brady there as the new coordinator in Carolina. Um, they're moving him all over the formation. He struggled a little bit in the last couple of weeks in camp, but he's been dealing with an injury but it's just another elite playmaker and you can get him after the, after round 11 and so with samuel it's very similar i don't expect him to be the lead guy on his team i think that's going to be easily dj moore and then christian mccaffrey is going to get his Mm -hmm. but samuel is a big playmaker and kyle allen you know teddy bridgewater isn't like amazing but he's accurate kyle allen last year really really hurt um curtis samuel curtis samuel was open a lot when his quarterback missed him so He's already shown that he can get open, he just didn't get the result. So, this is like the opposite, it's like the inverse of what we talked about with Brady earlier. Right? Brady threw a target, you know, to a receiver and it was accurate, but the receiver didn't catch it. This is the opposite, you know, Curtis Samuel's wide open saying, Hey, look at me, and Kyle Allen can't like hit him. So, now he's gonna have a quarterback that can at least be functional and get him the ball. So, Campbell is a guy that could easily end up, you know, in the top 36, top 24 wide receivers. And here's a third one. It's LaVisca Chenault. Um, So he's a rookie, and he is on the Jaguars. And so now you have no Leonard Fournette is the team that's going to trail a lot. And you have DJ Chark, who's going to take the coverage away on the other side. And Chenault is similar to these other guys, like he's going to work underneath. um, And Minshew likes to work underneath um and he's going to be the guy to soak up a lot of those underneath targets and he's also an extremely good athlete like if there's yeah. if there's one thing like if you put the if you put the tape on of lavisca chennault he does a lot of things really well but man when you get the ball in his hands and space like it's i mean this dude turns into a running back so and i think he's also going to get snaps out of the backfield you know with Fournette being gone so those are three that i really really like and there's one that goes a little later and it depends on how big of a league you're in, but nobody's going to be talking about this person pretty much. But it's Steven Sims of the Redskins. He's very similar. He's going to be on the field for all the snaps. He's not just a slot player anymore. Um, And he showed last year that he and Haskins have, you know, they've got chemistry. If you guys, I don't know if you remember, but down the stretch last year, Steven Sims, like most people don't know this, like he scored, he had some really good fantasy weeks. Um, And McLaurin is the guy that takes the top off the defense. He's going to see the tougher coverage. So they need another playmaker in Washington. Now Sims isn't a guy you have to take high. Like you could take him with your last pick of your draft. Nobody else is going to draft him, right? So he's the guy you can just kind of have in the chamber and be like, I'll just wait and I'm going to take Steven Sims, you know, with my 15th pick kind of thing. So those are four and all of you'll notice like the theme with all of those guys is the upside, mm-hmm. right? They ooze athleticism, but they also are landing in a situation where it's like, wow, like they could really be paired up like in a really good scheme with a quarterback that likes to throw the likes to do the things they do well, that's where they like to throw the ball. So, I like all of those guys.
2: So, um, I just want to quickly follow up because um, you mentioned Fournette. Um, where would you draft him now? I mean, we now know that he has been released. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what does that do as far as trying to organize your team?
3: Yeah, so Fournette was a player that I was fading. I had him basically on my fade list. From the beginning i was telling people not you know to draft him and so fournette is one of those players that what you hope is now that this happens he's supremely motivated right going back to what we talk about we're dealing with people it's never perfect right it's always messy there's something with fournette you know i don't know what it is to where he can be extremely motivated and he can be really good or he could just completely like you know and who knows what's what it is but like he'll just like disappear So I think the talent is still there, you know, for Mm -hmm. Fournette. Now the Jaguars said that it was a talent thing, that it was nothing to do with him in the locker room or all that, but we don't really know. I mean, my thing is, he's still a young guy. Like to think that his talent, like just all literally drained out in like three years in the league, it's kind of hard for me to believe that. So the landing spot will be important, but for me, I'm not, I'm still not going to take him Mm -hmm. until, you know, in most drafts, it's going to be the eighth, ninth round where I might pull the trigger on him. Because at that point, opportunity cost is low. And I could get lucky depending on where he lands. You know, um, you know there are quite a few teams that don't have a clear cut like top running back. And so right. if he land, he he's worth it at that pick. He could land somewhere where you're like, oh, man, he's just going to be a he's going to get a few carries. He's not going to be worth it. But you only spend an eighth or ninth round pick. I see some people still trying to take him in the sixth or the fifth. Well, then you need him to land in the right spot for the pick to pay off. So when he slides, I'm willing to spend, you know, an eighth or a ninth round pick on him. If it works, you know, for my roster, if there's not something else that I need. Thank you. Sure.
1: Okay. Um. So uh, more hypes, more hops, the better IPA as he says in. Two QB auction league. I have Kyler Murray as my keeper which late round QBs would you recommend to stream uh, recommend for him to pick for QB two?
3: Yeah. So I love these kind of leagues. Um, I wish more leagues did this. So it's called, you know, super flex. You get to start two quarterbacks because what it does, it changes the dynamic we talked about earlier of, well, there's 12 teams. There's 12 quarterbacks. I like, I can just wait. Well, now if everybody can take two and they can start two, well, now you got to look all the way down to number 24 and you got to say, Oh, how do I feel about having two players, Potentially they're not in my top 12 because they're all going to go sooner. So having Kyler Murray, A, is a great start, right? It's a great start. Um, You know, he struggled with some things as a rookie, but, you know, he's got a lot of upside and he also showed a lot of really good things. And now he gets hopped in. So as my number two, you know, quarterback, when I have, you know, Murray, um, I mean, I would like to be targeting, you know, grabbing one of the guys we talked about earlier, Brady, Breeze, Stafford, Matt Ryan. Um, or even Cam Newton, those would be my preferred selections. If they go too early and you're having to address, address other things, then I think that's where Joe Burrow comes into play. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start with a very easy, easy schedule. The the thing is, you don't know when they're going to throw it, right? Because they want to run the ball, but every so many years that Kyle Shanahan offense will like just turn out a huge passer. He did it with Matt Schaub a long time ago back in Houston with Gary Kubiak. You know, he had – it wasn't so much the passing. It was also the rushing with RG3. But then if you look at Matt Ryan, that year they went to the Super Bowl, right, even though they ran the ball a lot, they're a very efficient offense. So there's upside there, um, you know, as far as touchdowns and everything goes with Garoppolo. So I would try to get one of the others, though. But if you do wait, for me, it's Burrow. You could mix Garoppolo in there. And then a guy that I'm drafting more than most others, um, you know, is Gardner Minshew. And it's just because I like his weapons. They're going to have to throw it a lot. I don't expect him to throw 30 or 40 touchdowns, but Minshew's going to be sneaky. He could rush for 500 yards and nobody talks about it. So he can run for 500, maybe throw 25, 26 touchdowns, and he could get 4,000 yards. Like he could really approach that. Their weapons in the passing game have been, you know, upgraded. So, that's a guy that you can get really late. What I will say is I typically in those leagues, I'm going to draft three, you know, so I, I try to get one from each of my groups, my, you know, my tier one players, I want at least one, if not two. And then my tier two quarterbacks, I want at least one, if not two, depending on what happened, you know, um, out of how many tier one quarterbacks that I got. Okay. Um,
1: so, and this is going to come, this may be a come up bring your bias out, but I'm going to ask anyway. <laughs> um, as it relates to the Cowboys, you know, um, it seems to me that this is going, they, they have a deep offense this year. You have Amari, Amari mm-hmm. Cooper, you, and then they, and then you have Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, Dak Prescott is going to deliver the ball. Uh, hopefully, you know, he's, he doesn't have a lot of turnovers, uh, in terms right. of interceptions, he's pretty much a safe quarterback, but. Where do you where should someone draft someone like CeeDee Lamb? He's a rookie. So sometimes rookies he's he was a high quality player in college. How do you expect him to translate in this Cowboys offense? Yeah.
3: So yeah, you guys will probably take it as a homer, but I mean he's gonna he's got a great situation. So he gets to play against the third best cornerback on the other team, at least to start the season. And then people are gonna figure out that CeeDee Lamb is better than Michael Gallup. And that's nothing against Michael Gallup, but CeeDee Lamb like what he's already been doing, you know, the consistent reports you see in camp and like when you're not just looking for fluff pieces that like, Oh, CD lamb's gonna get 1500 yards and whatever. Like, no, like what you're looking for is like, you know, how's he handling the transition with press coverage? You know, are has is he learning all the positions? And he has, they're moving him all over. Some people may be surprised. I think there's a chance that when the Cowboys are in two wide receiver sets, it's lamb and Cooper, and it won't be Gallup um, just because lamb you know, and again, this is nothing against Gallup, but Lamb can do so many more things like his on the field application. He can, he can run a five yard slant and take it all the way for a touchdown. Gallup can't, he can beat a really good press coverage corner, you know, over the top, you know, and Gallup's good at that, but he's not really good at turning that into a big play after the catch where Lamb can. Lamb's really good, you know, inside the 10 where Gallup has been average so far, you know, to this point in his career. So, But even if that's not the case, and Gallup, because he is a good player, let's say he's only out there when they have three wide receivers. Well, Jason Witten's gone. So they're not going to run two tight ends. Their fullback opted out because of, you know, COVID 19. So they don't have the packages to run the heavy personnel groups that they used to have. So you're probably going to see them running three wide receivers 75, 85% of plays. And unless they're ahead, then you're going to see them put the extra tight end on the field and they're going to try to grind it out with Zeke Pollard will get involved. So the blowouts, you know, can take something away you know, from the Cowboys, but for Lamb, for me, he's a priority target. Like, um, and I've kind of hyped him up maybe too much. So I'm on Twitter because now I feel like every time I'm in a draft, somebody takes him like a round early just, and you know, not that they even know that I'm in there. Cause like I disguise who I am in most of these drafts. So people don't know um, because they may listen to, you know, our podcast or whatever, but as far as Lamb goes in like a 12-man league, I'm taking him in the eighth round in a, in a 10-man, 10-person league, probably still the eighth round. And if you get to an eight-person league, he's going to be a ninth or, you know, he'll be a mid-ninth kind of pick. So I really like him, though. I mean, if, if you start stacking him up like against the players, you know, in your mind, and it, it depends on your roster. Like, let's say you've already got two really solid receivers you, you feel great about. And now you want an upside player and you're like, well, I could take Jamison Crowder. I like him. He's probably going to catch 80 balls and he's going to score three or four touchdowns. And he's probably a lock for that. Or I could take CD lamb who might only catch 70 balls, but it could be for 12 hundy and eight, nine, 10 touchdowns. Like that's all in his range of outcomes. That's not what I project him for, but his ceiling is so much higher, right. Than what Jamison Crowder's is. It's so much higher than Julian Edelman. I would say his ceiling is higher higher than Tyler Boyd. His floor isn't the same as Tyler Boyd's, but his ceiling is as good or better than Tyler Boyd. So I love Lamb. Wow. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm taking notes and <laughs> gonna re-listen to this podcast. But who, who what are your top five tight ends for final? for fantasy football?
3: Yeah, so, um, I mean, the, the two top ones, right, everybody has them at the top. It's Kittle and Kelsey. Um, we already talked about Andrews. I think Andrews is the player that has the biggest chance to jump up into that tier. And next year we could all be sitting here having the same conversation if you guys were, you know, nice enough to have me back, you know. Um, and we'll be talking about that top tier, and we'll and, and you guys will be like, hey, Mark Andrews is in that tier. Like, he's the guy that this year we could be like next year thinking, man, he, he deserves to be drafted right there by Kittle, right there by Kelsey. He has everything. Like he can run after the catch. He's a great, he's a great, you know, end zone target, you know, um, he's mm-hmm. a mismatch against tight ends and safeties, like he has everything you want. Right. And he, and he has a great relationship with his quarterback, which is huge. But after that, um, you know, once it gets, you know, to, you know, and, and again, we already talked about Ertz because he's in that same tier. He's a safe play. Um, then my next tier, you know, There's a few more questions, but I still love Darren Waller. You know, some people are really scared off. They're like, oh, man, they got rugs and this and that. I'm like, man, these guys are still rookies. Darren Waller is going to be the number one target on this team. And, you know, you guys do a lot of sports stuff on here. Like Darren Waller is a nightmare. Like you can't guard him with a linebacker. Like if you guard him with a linebacker, it's over. Like the play is already over. So in the way that Gruden, you know, schemes, you know, things up, you know, a lot of play action, a lot of things like that, you know, that's when Renfro not on the field because he wants to do these types of things for Waller. I mean, just puts him in great run after the catch situations. And I still think he has a, he could still catch, he's going to catch between 80 and hundred balls. And, you know, his, he has upside from last year. I think he, I'd have to go out and look, for it, but I think he only scored like two or three touchdowns. And so on that many receptions that he's going to get, he could easily score five or six, And then he jumps into the tier with Andrews and all of those guys. Waller also does have an upside to be with the top guy just because he can do so much on his own after the catch. Right. But he just needs a quarterback that's more willing to not only throw it to him when he's wide open. That's the thing with R. He doesn't, you know, it's, it's real hard to get carried too far away with any player because he's a very, he's a system quarterback. It's going to be like first read, second read, third. It's like, who's the most open. He's not going to force it. Unless he has pressure. If he has pressure, he'll do really silly things. But for the most part, he's going to be really safe. He's going to take, he likes a full step of separation. Like he, he, he won't throw it up to the guy that's just tightly covered. If Waller had that kind of quarterback, like, man, the sky would be the limit, you know. But the good news is Waller's still a great, you know, he's a great option as far as getting on, getting open. So once you get past that, like, I don't really take a lot of the tight ends in the middle. Because I feel like there's plenty of other guys late that kind of give me a similar range of outcomes to them that I can get later, and I love the receivers. The opportunity of cost of passing on the receivers in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, where a lot of these tight ends go, I just don't want to miss on. So I like Evan Ingram. I like Hunter Henry. I like Hayden Hurst. I like Rob Gronkowski. Those guys are all fine, but I'm not drafting them very often because I think you can get you know, guys like Chris Herndon, Mike Gusecki, um, John Smith. Johnu Smith could be the number two target, right? In all of the Titans offense behind AJ Brown. I mean, unless you're still a Corey Davis truther, which, you know, Davis was a first-round pick. But John o. Smith is very similar to Darren Waller. He's a run after the catch threat. He's a great option off of play action, which, you know, the Titans run as much as anybody in the entire NFL. Um, Ryan Tannehill's always been a pretty accurate quarterback, much more accurate than what people give him credit for. So he can take advantage of those situations. So that's somebody I love. And if you're looking for a sleeper, um, the guy that I take pretty much every draft. So he would kind of fit into that group of receivers I gave you earlier. Say you draft a uh, Mike Gusecki or whoever, but you want to take another upside player later. You're like, I want to take one more tight end. The name is Irv Smith. Um, so, again, this comes back to scheme. So if you think about, um, you know, what we talked about earlier. So George Kittle, he's an, he's an insane athlete. And what makes him so good is the scheme, all of the play action. So if I'm a linebacker or a safety and I've got to deal with this huge human that can also run like a 4 they know how to run routes. They know how to do everything. And now I've got to worry about is Shanahan running the ball this player or is he passing because he runs the ball so much and their run game is so good, it puts defenders in like just this major bind, you know, I mean, Kittle's going to get open on you anyway, but now you're having to do it against 30% of the time, 35% of the time they run play action which is a complete NFL cheat code. If your team doesn't run play action, it tells you that your team doesn't pay attention to analytics and that their coach is actually really maybe a good at a lot of things, but they're not, they're not, they're not pushing edges. Every team should be running play action 30% of the time or more because linebackers have this ingrained in them from the time they're, you know, as tall as my desk, you have to stop the run first. And so their first step when you see play action is always to fill their gap because that's what they're taught to do. every person, and for the people listening to football, listening that play football, you guys maybe play football. You all know this. Everybody has their gap. Everybody has their assignment. So the last thing I want to do is miss their assignment. And so it's just it's so problematic. That's why play action works so well. That's why A.J. Brown went bananas last year. It was off of play action. Um, so when you look at a guy like Irv Smith, very athletic, much more athletic than Kyle Rudolph. He's going to be in a scheme, Gary Kubiak, who comes from Kyle Shanahan's dad, right? Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak actually taught Kyle a lot of this stuff. And they ran the scheme last year and Stefanski, who now learned it, is taking it to Houston. So that's another team to, I mean, to Cleveland. So remember that, that's good. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., I'll just put a plug in, like could have an enormous year. He's going to see better looks than he's ever seen ever in his entire career. He's going to be more open than ever. It's a matter of does he have his head on straight and can Baker Mayfield you know, hit him. But now back to, you know, um, Irv Smith, like he's going to be in a similar situation to George Kittle, basically. The only unknown is how much are they going to make him still split with Kyle Rudolph, right? So you may see three or four weeks in that it's not happening and you can just drop him. But if if they come out in week one, you guys asked like, well, how do you follow all this? There's going to be a lot of stuff, despite everything we're doing, that week one it's going to be like, whoa. Irv Smith's playing every down. I want to be in on that. I want to have him just because if that happens, he has top six tight end upside because think Stefan Diggs is gone. You have Adam Thielen. They need someone else to help carry this passing load. Now that doesn't mean he can step up. He could struggle. I mean, talented players, especially at tight end can take time to develop. So it's not like a, a guarantee, but he's put in a situation where, where I would say it's the it's the best situation you could be in as a tight end. So he could technically become the number two player because Justin Jefferson's struggling a little bit. You know, the rookie, he's he's mostly just gonna play slot right now. Ola Johnson's gonna play outside, who's a nice player. I mean, everything is set up for Irv Smith. If if he's put in the work and he's ready and they give him that full load, I mean, he could get eight, nine hundred yards, seven, eight touchdowns in this offense. And you don't have to take him till you know, round 12, 13, 14 of your draft. I draft him literally almost every single draft. And I still get upset when I miss him. Like, he's a guy I love so much that, you know, I've drafted 12 teams so far. Um, I think I've missed him three times. And even though I have him on the other nine, like every time I miss him, I'm still like, oh, it's, like, it's like I just I have to have him.
2: Well, I would um, kind of wrap up the interview. And, and once again, thank you so much for coming on. You are like a football encyclopedia. <laughs> like I'm just sitting here. like Oh, my goodness. But for those people who are not very familiar with fantasy football or not, you know, not really mm-hmm. aware what it is for the beginner. And I'm talking about Green, not having played before, um, what kind of things can... can, can,
3: uh, uh, So Houston, we have a problem. Um, I didn't know what was going (laughs) on. Yeah.
2: (laughs) As a beginner, Mm -hmm. someone who is completely green, like what kind of things can they do to um, get the knowledge they need? Yeah. One, I would say
3: you don't have to have everything, right, that I just you know, share. But, but that's why you find people that can give you that. And so you just read, you take it all in. It's like anything in life, like when you spend some time just thinking about it and, you know, you, you're prepared, it's like you reach like this Zen moment, right? Where you're like, I'm good. I'm ready. Um, versus just like everything else in life. If you're not prepared, you walk into an interview, that you hadn't gone through what they're going to ask you in your head. You haven't done the research on the company yet. You're setting yourself up for failure, right? Because you know, they're going to ask those questions. You know, they're going to, they're going to expect you to know something about their company. They're going to expect you to be able to talk about their business. So it's the same thing here. It's just, you get to do it about something, you know, not that work isn't fun. I love work too, but you get to do it about something that's, you know, recreational and just and fun. So you get to get excited about it. It's the same thing. It's just, you don't have to know everything, but whoever what I would say early on, find one or two people to listen to that you like. Don't try to listen to every analyst. That will literally drive you nuts. As you get better at it, you'll learn how to take in those things, and you'll learn who the analysts are that you think are the smartest. And you'll say, and when you see two that you really like, kind of going back and forth around something, you like get your popcorn out and you're like, oh, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to see like, how does this turn out? Because I could, you know, you respect both people. But early on, I would say get... You know, get yourself you know one or two people that you follow, you know, on social media, use their rankings, and that way you can just have a clear mind. You understand their rankings, you know why their thought process is what it is. It could be flawed, but you understand it, and you know you're kind of simpatico with their rankings, and that just makes you comfortable. So just don't let a bunch of noise you know creep in. Um, you know would be my other thing, and then I would say you know just. Have fun, you know. I mean, it's uh, you know, go in there. If it, you know, you may listen to me here, and if you really, really love CD Lamb and you're worried you gotta have him on your team, he's good enough. Take him in the seventh round. You don't have to wait till the eight for me. If you really, really, really love Patrick, you know, Mahomes, and he falls to the mid third, and I told you you shouldn't take him till the late third. It's close enough. Just take Patrick Mahomes. Like you're trying to have a good time too, you know. Don't like let Patrick Mahomes go by, like if that's just gonna like bum you out for the weekend. You know what I mean? And you're like, man, I could have had Pat Mahomes, he's my favorite quarterback. Just don't take him in the first round. Just don't take him in the second round, you know. But if he makes it to that spot where it's like, you know, I know Dwayne said this, but man, forget Dwayne. I'm take I think you're good. You're in the right spot, like when you think about it that way. So just have fun with it, you know, use it as a time. I love it because you know, the two home leagues I have where I draft with all my friends. You know, and we've been doing it forever. It's just the camaraderie, like of the whole thing. You know, it's getting together and, you know, you have this common bond. And although we love to trash talk and we all want to win, like the thing I'll always remember, like around those leagues, right, is like, I just, I'm good friends with all those people now, you know, and they're all, you know, part of my life. I talk to them a lot, whether it's football season or not. So that's the other kind of stuff, you know, that, I really try to focus on. And I have to do that because, as you guys can't tell, I can kind of be like really super serious about stuff. So, my wife sometimes is like, okay, dude, relax, like, chill out.
2: <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Um, not only did we enjoy you, but our guests, you know, some of the comments we received, they really enjoyed your insight. And we do hope that you will come back. Um, hopefully, um, towards the end of the season so we can kind of unpack a lot of the stuff yeah. that
3: happened. I yeah, I would love it. to do that. We can come back to this. So I'm I'm definitely game for it. I'd love to return. You guys are great.
2: Awesome, yeah. awesome.
1: If I could just take a moment to, one, uh, thank all of our listeners and our viewers. Uh, remember, if you want to get in his his top secret, not top secret, but his, his tiered <laughs> information, Uh, Put your email in the chat box, and we'll give it to him. He'll make sure to send that information off to you. If you don't get it, I'm gonna get it, right? If you don't get it, I'm gonna
3: get it. Uh, I'm gonna send it to you. I'm gonna send it. I'm sending it to to you for anyway. So it's the five outside of that. Okay. Um, And what I would say is, if you're not on the list, Pro Football Focus is running a 30% discount this weekend, and so just go to the website. You'll see the code. I should know this since I work for Pro Football Focus, Um, but I'd have to go look. But there's a there's a code. And it's normally like forty nine ninety nine so it's thirty percent off of that. But all my rankings for PPR, Half point PPR, Superflex, and standard leagues are all up. There's custom cheat sheets. I update the information every single night. So like I'm gonna update this sheet tonight, like with the latest before I send it off to all of you. Um, but once you know, like after this weekend, obviously this won't be connected like to a database that's being updated. So I update that information every night. Um, you know, if, if there's not a ton of news one day, it may be every other night, but you can see like when the last time I is when the last time is that I've updated it. And then there's several other, other really good, you know, analysts, you know, that are on there. So you can also see, if you want, you could just see a consensus ranking ranking. You can see well, here's where Dwayne has them ranked, but across the five rankers for PFF, here's the consensus. And then you can actually it's really cool because you can see where I'm higher or lower. On players, you know, than than, you know, the consensus across the team. And so um that's always cool to look at. And then there's just a ton of great articles, you know. I mean, there's so much content that comes out and it's all powered really by the best data in the NFL. Nobody else has teams of teams, I mean, teams of people watching every single one of these games, watching every single play, grading everything, right? Not just the result, literally the receiver. Was he press cover? Was it press coverage? How open did he get? Did the quarterback throw it on time? Like all that kind of stuff is there. And I'm honestly just now unpacking it enough to try to learn how to really use it because I didn't want to be overwhelmed by it because I came on, you know, with PFF in June and I had already done my pr- first pass projection. So I I dug into some of it and I made some tweaks, but I didn't want to like totally overhaul everything because, you know, I'm still learning about all their data, but it's what drives a lot of this stuff. So it's, um, you know, it's a really good deal for what you get. Yeah. And we
1: encourage everyone to check out the podcast, uh, Fantasy Football Hustle, if you want to get more up date information, as well as check out our podcast. I'm going to share something with you all real fast. Our, our most recent episode, we did this uh, yesterday. Uh, it was the Rapid Fire Rundown um, with uh, guest host, Dr. Ty. And we talked all things NBA boycott. It's a great episode. You don't want to miss it. So please come and, and check it out. You can find us on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Um, and one final note, as you see at the bottom, if you're interested in subscribing or checking us out, you can check out their review and, you can, and it will take you to whatever, whatever streaming service you'd like to mm-hmm. listen to best. Uh, but once again, Dwayne, thank you for hopping on. Thank you all of our guests for your questions, comments, concerns, and Uh, we will, uh, we release episodes every Monday and Thursday. So we'll see you guys again and look forward to drafting with your strategy coming, uh, next week. Thank you.
2: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of a lady and some dudes. Um, please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time.